is, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I know you all have a job or you work somewhere, and sometimes there's some toxic people on there. But today we're gonna deal. We're gonna learn how to deal with that kind of situation. So here yeah, we yeah. go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah. <laughs> it is about that time, Ham. It's time for you to drop the Take them away, toys. All right, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, drop a review, help other like-minded business owners find value from our what? Awesome, awesome guests. guests. While we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll really appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz to schedule your time slot. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody. We're so excited, so honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Now, I did something the other day that I haven't done since I was a teenager. I went skateboarding. Now, while I was riding around on that board, I realized it had been a long long time since I'd done anything playful. Helping people rediscover their play is exactly what our guest is all about. He's worked with the biggest names in the world today. Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, Amazon, Facebook, and the NFL to help their staff infuse more play into their day-to-day. Now, we've all heard the saying, work hard, play hard, but so many of us spend the majority of our time pretending to be important, serious grown-ups. What happens when we let go of that facade and just play? That's where the magic lies and where our guests can help you discover and embrace your own nerdy genius. Man, I cannot wait to listen in. Today's show is sure to be fun, playful, informative, and motivating. Joining us today from Rediscover Your Play, the builder of the psychologically safe workplace and the top 100 HR influencer, welcome to the show, Jeff Harry. <laughs> All right, if you came to party, you came to the right spot today. Jeff, welcome to the program, man. How do you feel about being on the show? It's only like two minutes in. Oh, this is dope, dude. I've been on a lot of podcasts, but never been presented like that with the theme music. So top HR influencer, right? I mean, that that means something. First of all, HR is not the most exciting thing to be talking about. And yet, it's the thing that really can fuel a business. Like take a business to the whole new level because let's face it, people capital is important. How'd you get into the HR space? I'll give you the short version. The short Batman origin story is, you remember the movie Big with Tom Hanks? Mm-hmm. So I saw that movie when I was a kid and I started writing toy companies back in third grade. And I just kept writing them until basically 
I got into the toy in industry 20 years later. I don't know if you've ever gotten exactly what you wanted. They've been so disappointed, but that's exactly what happened to me. No toys, no fun, no high fives. I left the toy industry, found an organization that was teaching kids engineering with Lego, basically playing for a living. And I grew it into one of the largest STEM organizations like in the US, but we did it all by playing. We were just making stuff up as we went along. No business plan, pick people that we thought were fun, pick you know cities that we thought were fun. And then eventually, because we got so big and we were in the Bay Area, based out of the Bay Area, we got the attention of all those companies you mentioned earlier. And they were like, hey, do you do team building events? We're like, yeah, of course we do. Um, but of course we didn't, but we just said yes to everything. And then what happened was then for the next decade, I was running team building events for the top tech companies in the world. And I realized that at the same time that they loved innovation, disruption, you know, all these buzzwords, risk taking, they actually weren't playing. They actually weren't creating psychologically safe spaces to play, to take risks. So I created Rediscover Your Play to create um, psychologically safe workspaces using positive psychology and play. And that's how I got into the HR space. All right, positive psychology and play. What, like, like let's, let's break that down, right? So uh, first of all, positive psychology, I mean, it, when you think of going like a therapist, you think of psychology, it's not always the positive side, but people mm. like Tony Robbins have really kind of helped shape that side of, of that psychology. It helps how people find, you know, put themselves in a state, put them, you know, set their standards, put themselves in a position where, you know, that outside world, yes, it exists, but it doesn't run your your inside of your mind, right? Yeah. How, how are we how are we getting some of these activities to put together so that people can kind of make that connection? So so a lot of people talk about positive mindset, and that's the stuff that they study. Positive psychology is actually um, a part of psychology just got started getting researched around 1980 by um, a man named Marty Seligman, and it was all about studying what's right with people because for the longest time psychology was just studying what's wrong with people so positive psychology was like other people matter and how do we double down on your strengths and that's really what i'm focusing on a lot of times it's like why don't we utilize why don't we stop um criticizing ourselves why don't we stop being mean to ourselves why don't we stop you know thinking that we're not enough and instead be like what am i really good at let me double down on that and let me see how that might have a ripple effect on all of the other work that i do so um real quick clean your nose but uh uh so when we're talking about when we're talking about making an impact there's companies like google for example who really revolutionized the way like uh, an organization is is operates right it's not so much of the clock in the clock out it's yeah. very project based there's a I, i'm reading a book right now called z economy and it's talking about how the the generation z is coming to the marketplace here very very soon and they think and operate completely different yep. than the rest of us have because they've just experienced life in a different way ain't no thing like me except me <laughs> yeah right so uh, how, how are we considering what's coming into the marketplace and then kind of pairing that with what's already there because there's a lot of people who've been in a business and they've operated this is the way i do things this is how i do business but the world's changing a little bit right yeah well it's not just changing a little bit the new normal if you're not bringing shared humanity into the new normal, if you're not bringing compassion, you know, into the new normal, 
you're basically going to be obsolete. You know, Steven Johnson talks a lot about how the future is where people are having the most fun, right? Where mm -hmm. are people having the most fun right now? TikTok, Clubhouse, you know, uh, Disney Plus, Hulu. Why were they so successful during 2020? Because they were adaptable. They were flexible. They were resilient. They were willing to play. And if you are trying to do pre-pandemic work, in a post-pandemic world by being like, hey, let's get back to work, everybody, and we're going to do these things the same way we always did, and we're not going to have compassion and empathy for our staff, your staff's going to leave. Like, that's just a given because Gen Zers just are not going to tolerate that standard nine to five anymore with the micromanager. Like, that is done, in my opinion. There's also the idea of getting work done, done though, right? So you have older generations that are like, bro, this is how we do things. You show up, you clock in, you do the work, you go home, you get paid. Uh, so how do we kind of mesh the two? Like, what can yeah. we do in a, in an environment so that both are, you know, the, the biggest problem that I know that people have is understanding the other side. Right? Yeah. understand and, and having that empathetic point of view. So how do we get them to come together so that they can see that point of view? So what I would recommend to team leaders right now is I would ask them, do you know your staff's flow work? And what I mean by that is, do you know the staff, do you know the work that your staff does where they forget about time? It's their red thread work. It's their zone of genius work. You know, Gay Hendricks talks a lot about this all the time. Their zone of incompetence, things you suck at. Zone of competence, things like you're average at. Zone of excellence. This is where a lot of people get paid to do things that they're like really good at, but they don't really care to do it. But zone of genius is the work where you forget about time. You know, and I find plays any joyful act where you forget about time, where you're fully in the moment, where you're fully in flow, where you don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You're just fully engaged. And when you can identify flow work of your staff and you go, hey, wait a minute, what is the work that you love to do most? The work where if I wasn't even paying you, you would still do this work. Oh, you love connecting with clients. You love connecting with your colleagues and collaborating on projects. What percentage of time do you currently do that work? Only 10% of your time? How can we increase that to 20%, which is like, you know, just a couple more hours because studies have found that if you get your staff to do more of their flow work, they're productive in all of their other work, higher morale, boosted productivity, lower turnover, all those things are beneficial. And if you're like, well, you know, that kind of sounds great, but I don't know if I believe that. Well, look at Google's 20% rule. They gave their staff a fifth of their time to pursue whatever was curious to them as long as it benefited Google. What came from the 20% program? AdSense, which pays the bills. Gmail, which we all use. Google Meet, which many of us use. You know, billion dollar ventures came from giving them a playground to pursue their curiosity. We're not, I'm not asking you to give a fifth of the time, but you can give a couple more hours to your staff. And if you do that, they will deliver on all the other work that you're asking. Why so serious? Yeah, well, and the funny part about that, uh, the whole mentality is that everybody today expects things to be custom, right? Everybody expects their experience with a company, their experience with a product, their experience with people to be individualized. Yeah. And what, what I'm hearing you say, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like, look, play into those strengths, those individual characteristics, yeah. those things that uh, uh, maybe, you know, 10 years ago might have been quote, you know, toxic. If you can open that up, uh -huh. all of a sudden it's like, 
the realm of possibilities is, are different. You're bringing in this person because they have a particular skill, but that skill is not just the one thing that they could be good at. They can have a number of other things that can help your business bottom line, like well, help your business out bottom line, like just that, period, right? Exactly. And, and you got to remember Gen Zers want to be seen as humans. They are mm -hmm. not just cogs in the machine anymore, man. So I also asked team leaders, hey, do you know your staff's languages of appreciation? Wait, what's that? Um, is it acts of service? Do they love you actually doing stuff for them? You know, let them take off Friday or a little bit of Friday, like once in a while. Is it is it um, gifts? Okay, great. They love bonuses. They love money. Awesome. Take that same bonus they have, spread it out over the entire year and give it whenever they do something that's pretty good, then that is another way and that motivates them. Or do they like quality time? Take them out to lunch every two weeks. And heck, if you can't do that because remote, just connect with them every two weeks, just one-on-one. -on -one. These are small ways in which you can actually start to invest in your staff. And when they see that you're investing in them, they're more likely to invest in the organization. But if you choose not to do this, they're just gonna mail it in until they look for their next job. Give it a, uh, a tan, a tan. That's right. And, and you know what? Us old guys, us old guys, we used to call that buy-in, Jeff. We used to call right. it buy-in, right? right? Isn't that really what we're talking about here? How do you get people to come aboard, right? How do you, how do you get quality people to come aboard and then get them to believe and see the vision that you have, right, for your particular company? Yeah, yeah. And no, I mean, Sal just says something. Yeah, exactly. You know, taking them out to drinks, that is an act of service. That is something, yo. You know, you 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 take them out to dinner, you recognize, oh, here, I forgot about the other one, um, words of affirmation. If you as a staffer, you know, as a leader are recognizing one of your staff, not only just within your team, but within the department, so then maybe later on they could get promoted to go to another team and you're looking out for them in a longer, you know, like looking out for like their back, right? That is going to have an exponential amount of like reward from that because it'd be like, yo, you know, Hernan's got my back. I'm more likely now to put in 110% because I know about that. I remember once we were working with somebody and he got the job of his dreams at the company that he wanted went there, started working for them, and was just like, no, nah, this is not it. I actually like working for you more because you have my back. So like, again, we forget it's human to human connection. And if 2020 taught us anything, you need to show up with shared humanity and shared compassion because, you know, the old cog in the machine strategy is just, it's just done. It's just obsolete. You're going to become the next blockbuster if you're going to be rolling in with that attitude. You know, I've been saying it, Miguel. I've been saying it. We've been saying it. We've been saying it. All right, dude. All right. So, so let's talk about some of these fun things that that a company could do. Yes, drinks, right? But that seems more like a Friday or a five p.m. type thing. What about you know building within the company so that we're all on the same page? I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my uh, favorite influencers, and he's here local in San Diego, is Billy Jean, right? Billy Jean is marketing. If you guys yeah. ever hop into any of his stuff, one of the things he does at the very beginning, aside from having a bunch of fun, right? Aside from that, he always goes over his core values with the, with everybody right and there i think there's 13 of them and i know and, and just from from hearing his podcast listening to what he's doing he he came up with those 13 core values 
with his group, with his organization, so that everybody's is uh, has the same standards going forward. So they all are on the same page. What kind of activities can we put together or do, or how vitally important is it for an organization like that to have those core values or develop them together? Well, the thing is, is interesting about core values, right? So I'm all about core values if you actually do them, right? Mm -hmm. So like you definitely have to state them at the beginning, but if your actions don't match them, if you're not doing it on a daily, hourly basis, then it's just BS, man. The amount of companies I've been in where the values are on the wall and the toxicity in the room is palpable, you know, like you can feel it in the room is obvious. So you actually have to be like, okay, you know, if one of our core values is watching out for each other, like shared humanity and, and checking in with each other, am I actually doing that on a regular basis? Like, hmm. am I actually allowing my staff to take risks? What does actually taking risks talk, uh, look like? So I, as a team leader, would be sitting down with my staff and being like, hey, we, maybe we haven't talked about this in a while. Regarding our core values, do you think we're actually following them? Hey, regarding this project we're about to do, do you think I'm giving you the room to actually take risks and fail? Because I know a lot of times I say that I do, but I actually want to fulfill it. I actually want to show up and, and prove it through my actions. So is that actually happening? And when you're willing to ask that, when you're willing to ask questions like, hey, what is something that you are scared to actually share with me? And they're willing to actually tell you, that's when you've created a psychologically safe space where you can build together. But if you're not even comfortable asking those questions, then you're not there yet. Then you, instead of talking more about the values, you need to actually show them through your actions. But we... <gasps> What you're talking about there is is that power of vulnerability, but it works like very, it, it's both ways. Like the leader has to come down and be able to be vulnerable first and foremost before everybody else comes into that same space. I, I know when, when, I, when I'm in the classroom, especially at the beginning of the year, I spend maybe a week doing fun activities that gets the kids up and moving and talking to each other and mingling with other people because I want them to be in that safe space so that, you know, when somebody has a problem or or an issue, they're not afraid to say, hey, I'm struggling here. Can you come help me out? Because what I think what, what, what they're missing there is you have that idea that imposter syndrome sets in for yourself really quick and easy when you're in a, in a group of people and you're not asking. And because you're not asking, you're not getting clarity. And because you're not getting clarity, things are not happening the way they're supposed to. And then the boss comes down and is like, what's going on? What's, what's wrong with you? Right? Like there's, there's a, it's like a vicious downward cycle, right? So you know, and when you're when you're bringing on an employee or when you're bringing somebody on, what can we do to help open up that vulnerability space? Well, what are some of the strategies or, or, or tactics that you have to kind of open those things up so that we build that safe space? So I think first off, you can't force fun, right? So you can't be like, hey, let's do some team building, because if you're like, I hate Chad, I hate, you know, and now you're going to put me in a room with Chad and I have to escape the room with him. No, that's not going to work. So let's not do forced fun. You know, I'm all about that. So, but I think what you can do when you're bringing a new staffer on is not only like going over the values with them, right? But then actually showing what that actually looks like and then mm -hmm. and showing that through your actions and then having staff actually also be doing that as well. Everyone has to be actually fulfilling the, the prophecy of what these, you know, 
you know, like are people having difficult conversations? Are people addressing when someone like Chad exists? Like the problem with when an employee shows up is they show up or a new employee, they show up and they're like, oh man, everyone's really nice here. And then all of a sudden they notice that there's this one toxic person and that person's being super mean and no one's saying anything. Oh, I guess that's the culture now. So it's like, you know, actually addressing the unsaid rules, right? And going to that employee within a week or within a month and being like, hey, I wanted to know, have, do you notice if there are any unsaid rules or unsaid, you know, culture? Like what, is, how would you describe our culture? You know, and that's also interesting to ask the people that have been here for a while. What, well, how would you describe our culture currently? And what do you wish you could have actually changed from our culture? So when, when we talk about vulnerability, it's not vulnerability like the leader being like, whoa, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, because I've seen that vulnerability. That doesn't work. You know, that's just, just like you're making it all about you. Vulnerability is being like, hey, I'm willing to have this conversation where you might tell me as a leader I'm wrong. And then I, as a leader, have to be like, okay, what am I willing to change? And if I'm not, if I listen to you and you complain a lot, and then I go, oh yeah, that's really important. And then I don't do anything about it. That is the culture. You have just set the tone for culture. But if you are actually, you know, telling me what I need to do, and then you start to see me change my strategies over the next month, then it's like, okay, this is the actual culture. This is a culture of improvement. This is not a culture of perfection, but this is a culture of experimentation, play, and curiosity. Uh, let's talk a little uh, on, on words here, right? Because uh, lately there's a lot of people who get quote unquote offended, right? On, on a lot of different issues, topics, or whatever the case may be. In the workplace, there's also things that you might have to say that are not necessarily criticizing the individual. Maybe it's criticizing the task or critiquing the task. Um, and there's also times when you need to write up employees for things that they've done that are differently. How do we kind of tiptoe on that whole idea of I'm offended to avoid uh, legality issues, you know, other HR issues? but still have that firm foot on like, look, these are the things that were supposed to get done. They didn't get done or they didn't meet the standard that we're, that we had set and, and document those things to, to maintain that proper professional yeah. uh, thing in, in the office. So when you're having a difficult conversation, what you have to be aware of is this is you are not, and you're trying to address an issue. You are not attacking the person's character. You are addressing the behavior and the impact that it's having. So you have to be very clear about that from the beginning. Also, when you go into a conversation, you have to be going into the conversation either deciding to do one of the one of the things. Am I here to be right or am I here to understand? You know, mm. and, I'm, and I'm here to like build understanding, right? So, you know, if you go in there and you go, listen, you know, Hernan, you suck at all these things, that's attacking that person's character. Mm. But if I'm like, Hernan, these things didn't get done. And when these things don't get done, this is the impact that's having. This is affecting our bottom line. And now we might even need to let go of Sally because of this. You know, is that the, do you realize what is happening when you do this? So when you're addressing it that way, now the other way of also addressing it is to speak to them and be like, this is the conflicts here and we're working together to address the conflict. Right. I think a lot of times we're like, you're the conflict, you're the issue, you're the problem, and you need to fix it. No, we need to fix it. So do what do I need to do to support you to change your behavior? 
Because a lot of times also we deny people's experience. That's one of the worst things we can do. We deny their experience. And let's say maybe at their last job, you know, they were told that the best way in which to get things done was to be super mean and really toxic. So they're, they're bringing their historical work trauma into this job. And when you tell them, hey, you don't have to be that way anymore, they may not believe you. So you can't deny that experience and be like, hey, you need to stop doing that. You know, we not only do we not tolerate that there, but we actually want you to be your actual self here. You actually have to follow through with it. So, you know, again, you have to make sure that your actions match your words. I think so much of the time we don't do that. And on top of it, we also have to 10%. 10% of communication is words. We focus so much on the words, but we don't focus on the tone. We don't focus on the body language. We don't focus on the actions after. I say this all the time. When meetings are done and people are like, hey, how was that a good meeting? I always say, we'll see. We'll see by questions. <laughs> like, because it's not, the, the, the thing didn't happen there. The, the, the strategy session happened there, right? But now we have to actually implement it. And are we going to be implementing it over the next month? All right. Now, you you mentioned, you know, the inflection of your voice. You talked about the animations. You talk about your body position. All these things are communicating things to your staff. Uh, and I was looking at your website. I mean, just watching the little video clips that you have there on speaking to people, you can tell you're having fun. And you're also wearing the bow tie. So, you know, anybody who's wearing a bow tie has got to be having some fun. So tell me a little bit about what the bow tie represents uh, and why, why you wear it. And, and you know, what is it that you come into when you go into a public speaking uh, uh, engagement? What is it? What, how, how do you get your mind in a position where you're ready to go? So the bow tie was was a uh, uh, was a dare once from a former colleague that was like, I bet you wear wear that to a conference. Just wear it to see what happens. And when I wore it to the conference, I had such a better time because, you know, I believe people are already playing. What they're doing is they're playing a role that they hate, right? Or a role mm -hmm. that they just pretend like I am a professional. I'm a senior manager of blah blah blah. I'm important, you know. So I wore this bow tie just to remind myself, don't take yourself so seriously. Dude, it's a Lego bow tie. And when I wore that, it gave permission for all the nerds to come out, man. All my mm -hmm. nerd people. You know how many conversations I had about like Justice League, Marvel Universe, Cobra Kai, Game of Thrones at the time, right? You know, like just like people that did not feel. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Justice, by the way, four hour Justice League, meh, you know, so. <laughs> 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 no spoilers, no <laughs> Let me just get that in there. Let me just get a review in there. Um, but yeah, so so it reminds me not to take myself so seriously. And also, when I'm going out on stage and speaking, right, or running a workshop, that I remind myself this is not about me. It's like the reason why we are so nervous when we go on stage and speak is because we're thinking about us. We're thinking, what are people going to think of us? Blah, 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 blah. No, all you are is a messenger for that powerful statement or that, that meaning. Mm -hmm. Like my, I'm a messenger to be like, yo, we need to be playing more at work. Like, that's what I believe. That's why when people are like, bring me on your podcast, they're like, what are you selling? I'm not selling anything. What I'm talking about, I want to make sure I'm speaking to as many people to be like, 
Play is the answer to many things at work if you can create the psychologically safe space to do it. So when I'm showing up from that standpoint, then I'm not as nervous because I'm like, I'm just delivering this message. And if people like it, great. If they don't, whatever, you know, that's, it wasn't, it's not for them, you know, but I think when we make it so much about ourselves and even when we're having conversations, when we make it so much about ourselves, that's when our ego, that's when perfection comes in. That's when we're worried about failing, you know, that's when we're just looking, worried about looking stupid. And then we're not in a place where we can actually build understanding and have shared humanity. Mm. Amen, dude. I mean, that's you're absolutely right. It, it, work has to be fun. I remember my very first job, I was at Wells Fargo, and we used to work in a, in a cash vault, so it wasn't dealing with customers or anything. But I would walk around and, and be doing all kinds of cool stuff in the office, and our job allowed us to put some music on. So I would have my headphones on, and dude, I am rocking out. Like I am in my own zone, in my own world, having a blast. And even though we were there for a little while, like it was, you know, a good time. I loved going to work, right? It made all the difference in the world. You know, I, I, I want to be able to bring that into the office. I want to be able to give people that excitement, give them that open door feeling. Um, and, and, you know, if, if people wanted to reach out and work with you to kind of get their ideas out, like, how can I make that happen? What's the best way for people to get a hold of you and talk to you? Sure. So they simply need to go to rediscoveryourplay.com, click on the let's play button, and we can figure out how we can actually infuse more play into your workplace. And more importantly, build a psychologically safe space where your staff can actually show up as them, their real self at work. And when they actually can show up and not just you tell them show up authentically, but actually deliver on that, then all of a sudden you're going to see a different side of your staff and you're just going to be you're just going to be killing it. It's going to be such a more enjoyable, powerful place to work. All right, uh, last thing here: How has COVID affected what you've been doing? We've went from everybody in the office all the time, nine to five, to kind of everybody at home in their safe spaces, oftentimes in their jammas or sweats or whatever, you know, business on top, you know, chilling on the bottom. Like how has that affected the dynamics and, and, and some of the things that happen in HR services and, and inside the organizations? Well, what's interesting is uh, from, you know, if, if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have worked for the with the Department of Homeland Security, right? If it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have spoken in, you know, Europe and spoken in Canada from my house, right? So those are like benefits that I noticed. But in the HR space, what I also noticed was people were able to avoid hard conversations. People were able to avoid addressing certain issues, you know, and, and in some cases, and this is what I'm finding out more and more, some people don't want to go back to the office. They actually find themselves yep. more productive at home. And all those micromanagers, ooh, all those micromanagers that were like, you can only get stuff done in the office, proved wrong. They were all proved wrong. So, so there, again, this is about the new normal. And what a lot of leaders and a lot of companies have to be asking themselves is, do I force my staff back into the office? How do I do it in an empathetic and compassionate sort of way so that actually it's more about making the office the place to be and that's why I want to be there. I want to be there for the meetings. I want to be there for the decision making. Instead of let me force my staff to go back by this date 
just because this is what we're supposed to do. Because again, this is about shared humanity. This is about coming from a place of understanding and really focusing on what drives my staff. I know it sounds like a lot more work, but it's better to do that work than to have your staff bounce because they're like, it's just not fun working here anymore. I'm out. Man, Jeff, dude, I knew, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I met Jeff like two minutes for one time. And I had a, like a two minute, like three line conversation with him. And I knew he was going to be a fun guest on the show. Jeff, you were amazing. Always coming with the energy. I, you know, what you're doing for people and changing the dynamics inside of business will shape that business for generations to come. It's the culture. People are going to love going to work. So thank you very much for spending the time and uh, coming on the show with me. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gents, it's time for you to go play. Go have some fun. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. I got a new toy. So I've been playing with some sound. You guys got a little bit of beat going. Claps. Either way, we'll see you again manana. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.